Welcome back to the Veries and Numerous podcast of Briar.io production. That's B-R-Y-E-R.io. This is a special thank you to our sponsors. We start every show off with a thank you to them. Without them, this podcast is not possible. Introducing Zen Sports this week, a new sponsor of the Veries and Numerous podcast. Zen Sports is a peer-to-peer sports betting marketplace where anyone can create and accept sports bets with anyone else in the world without the need for a centralized bookmaker. Deposit funds instantly using cryptocurrencies or fiat. No long wait times or deposit fees. Reduce betting fees compared to traditional bookmakers. The sports utility token is used for placing bets, getting awesome discounts, cashback rewards, bonuses, and other perks. Betting is also available in Bitcoin or USD. This is a decentralized peer-to-peer platform where anyone can create and accept bets with anyone else in the world without the need of a central intermediary or a bookmaker. This is a trustless system that lets the marketplace settle bet results and disputes. Check them out at zensports.com. VinxCoin is the world's first decentralized fine French wine and vineyard-backed security token where anyone can be a fine French wine and vineyard owner from the comfort of their home. VinxCoin is currently conducting uh, the beginnings of their project over at VinxCoin.com. Check them out uh, and all of the interesting things they're doing uh, over there. Trios. Trios. What is Trios? Trios is an economy and a system, an ecosystem, a new, uh, a new economy, a fair economy. Trios is the direct reference to the decentralized money that will power a new economy. In the future, the term Trios will become synonymous with cryptocurrency, and virtual financial assets, VFAs. Their payment methods, their ecosystem, their general use as a both a utility and a store of value. Check them out over at trios.io. Sharing Coins, you found the brick-and-mortar financial institution where you can safely trade dollars for Bitcoin, USD to BTC, over-the-counter OTC, and person-to-person. They facilitate transactions of all sizes, including high-volume transactions. Their headquarters is located in Wakizi, Wakiza County, more than being just an OTC location where hot, we're, we are, they are here to educate you about Bitcoin wallets, blockchain, cryptocurrency, security, and platforms. If you're in the Milwaukee area, you can also uh, visit their ATM, their Bitcoin ATM, and more locations are coming soon. Visit SharonCoins.com. Bitcoin SOV, Bitcoin Store of Values, an emerging community-driven product. That has a decentralized team the world over. It is a proof-of-work mineable ERC-20 and has a deflationary design with token burns to ensure your value is stored over time. Check out their site at bsov.io. Lucho Paletti is a talented artist who created that masterpiece hanging up on my wall there, the Andy Warhol Buy Bitcoin uh, uh, piece of art there, which I love a lot. Check him out. He has pages of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin art over there. Keychains he's working on right now. Check him out over at luchopoletti.com. That's L-U-C-H-O-P-O-L-E-T-T-I.com. Flashcoin is a reinvention of Litecoin built to scale for, the worldwide, for worldwide commerce and fast enough to handle everyday transactions. The flexible and easy to integrate core code allows exchanges and wallets to add Flash to their platform within hours. With a settlement time of around five seconds and consensus, within two minutes, anyone, anywhere can use Flash Mobile Wallet as, as easily as cash or a credit card. Uh, I've talked about this before on the podcast. They're a new sponsor, but I've been using Flashcoin for a few years myself. They have a really cool um, uh, integrated marketplace within their app where you can uh, visit uh, vendors, merchants around the world, and you can see their products and, uh, um, you know, do commerce right over the app. So it's really cool. And, um, uh, the future of uh, decentralized commerce. So check them out over at flashcoin.io. And as always, before we get into the episode today, remember nothing on briar.io written or spoken should be interpreted as financial advice. Always do your own research. You are the captain of your own financial ship. You control your own sovereignty and, uh, Uh, Just make sure that you always do your own research and uh, educate yourself, self-invest in education and knowledge. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Let's get into today's episode. And uh, always, always appreciate you guys listening. Welcome back to the Veeries and Numerous podcast. This is episode 11. Today, I have 
uh, a couple special guests. This is the first time I've done uh, t- had two guests on at the same time. So uh, I got a few uh, Beam team members or a Privacy Coin. If you're not familiar with them, we're gonna delve into uh, all about their project today. Alexander Zabin and Alex Romanov. Uh, welcome to the show today. Hey, good to be here. Yeah, so uh, everybody knows that we have the COVID-19 uh, saga going on today, you know, still. Uh, we're, you know, a few months into it now. So uh, I wanted to get you guys' take. Are you both in Israel? Yeah. Yes. What's going on there with, uh, you know, right now with uh, the virus, the government? How are they treating it? Well, uh, we have uh, about uh, 1,700 sick uh, as of now. Uh, and uh, uh, it's not like a full quarantine, but uh, the recommendation is to stay at home. Uh, and uh, most people, that's what they do. And of course, everybody who was traveling back from abroad for the last uh, month or so was immediately quarantined for like uh, two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and currently, uh, so we, we mostly stay at home, uh, which is okay because I, I was mostly working from home anyway. And, uh, you know, short trips to buy some uh, groceries or, you know, just walk around a little bit, but no, no more than that. So you're still allowed to get out to hit the grocery store and stuff like that? Yeah, but all the other, most of the other stuff is closed. So all the entertainment related stuff is closed. Schools are closed. So kids are at home and the government actually urges people to stay home. And I mean, it's, we're not fined yet for going out, but you know, there's not many people in the streets anyway. What about on the manufacturing front? Have they shut down like manufacturing and businesses like that or? Uh, I think they were supposed to shut down all the like non-essential. Okay. So pretty similar to what's going on in the U S then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So restaurants are closed. I'm not sure about manufacturing actually. Um, uh, I think they, well, I yeah, I think they shut it down as well. I so, do still see some construction going on, but, uh, I don't know exactly what the rules there are. Oh, okay. I just wanted to touch on that real quick. So did you guys both grow up in Israel or where are you guys from? So I, I was born in Russia. Okay. Uh, so I've been living in Israel for the last 20 years now. So, what about you, uh, Alex? Yeah, I, I was born actually in the country which is currently known as Azerbaijan, but when, way back when it was part of the Soviet Union. So I was born in the Soviet Union and I came here like almost 30 years ago. So I've been living here since then. So yeah, and- most of my life. Yeah, when did you guys get interested in technology? I'm a, I like to get a little backstory on my guests before we get into the, the project. Uh, if you guys would just want to keep in the same uh, order, Alexander, if you want to go, and then let uh, yeah, sure. Alex follow up. So I started programming, uh, I think when I was like 12 or something like that, with those, there were those calculators where you could program some stuff uh, with the stack-based language. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, um, I studied uh, I studied programming back at school. Then I learned applied linguistics, which is a combination of languages and uh, programming. And then I worked as a software developer for like seven years, and then did product and business stuff. Yeah, I was actually uh, interested in all this technology, robots, computer stuff, uh, long before I ever saw a personal computer. And I was a huge science fiction fan. Uh, from like uh, the early childhood and then when I first got my computer it was like this uh, amazing device and I was like really interested mostly in playing games of course but it was fascinating to me and I learned a lot and then of course there was the regular you know the school and then I went uh, to get my degree uh, in the college and I learned to program there so and uh, most of the years at the same time as I was also computer technician you know fixing these uh, things and uh, Installing networks and all this stuff, and then after I graduated, I started working in the industry and been doing it ever since, and enjoying it a lot. Very cool. So, what? When did you uh, decide that you were going to take your skills uh, in the technology <laughs> realm and apply it to money? Because I I found Bitcoin pretty early on. I read the white paper in 2009, and I I wasn't a technologist at that point, or you know uh, somebody who had a big uh, background in technology. I was looking at it more from an economics standpoint. So, did you guys have a lot of uh, economics background as well, or um, did you know just the idea of uh, you know 
uh, privatized money that had the ability to be private, uh, really just, um, you know, kind of mesh with you as you learn more about Bitcoin and uh, how it wasn't anonymous and how we could improve on it. So I actually learned about Bitcoin pretty late, uh, maybe 2016 and started, you know, getting into it in 2017. Uh, so I can say I'm like an, an old, a crypto old timer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned about Beam actually from Alex, who invited me to join at some point. Uh, and that was uh, somewhere in early, late, late spring, early summer, 2018. Um, and I, you know, I, I bought some Bitcoin back then, which I hope, I still hope it was a good idea. <laughs> it was a good move. Uh, it'll come back. Uh, yeah, so in terms of economics, you know, I did my MBA here in Tel Aviv. So, uh, you know, I have some basic concepts and, and this concept of replacing money really fascinated me and, and the potential fascinated me because if this dream, if or when it comes true, you know, the, the value of those cryptocurrencies will be just uh, enormous. I didn't know much about Bitcoin, uh, like at all, when I started working on Beam, uh, a friend of mine, Guy Koram, who is very, uh, you know, uh, very known in Israel because of his knowledge of these uh, cryptocurrencies and one of the founders of the early mining companies. Uh, he actually uh, dragged me into this and he said, listen, uh, I have an idea. Let's do uh, some kind of an implementation of the Mimbo-Wimbo protocol. We'll pr- probably talk about a lot later here. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, why not? Uh, we, we, I know guys like for, for like many years and they, I was interested in the technological stuff. I didn't know anything about the economics of cryptocurrency or cryptocurrency. I know I, I never had a Bitcoin uh, like up until the, the point that uh, we actually launched the Beam mainnet. So the, the first cryptocurrency I actually owned was Beam, in fact. Uh, and uh, for me, it was a very new and very interesting uh, uh, you know, technological field because I'm personally, uh, I don't come from economic background, but I come from technological background and I'm, I'm all, always interested in um, sociology of the stuff. So for me, the cryptocurrency was like this ideal mix of social processes, economic processes and technological processes all combined together in this unique combination. So I find this fascinating and uh, uh, yeah, this, this is why I started this and been enjoying it a lot. Great answers. Yeah, I view, I view uh, the privacy coins. I, I'm hoping that one of the privacy coins uh, step up here in the next uh, few years and make their way into the top five because I view you know privacy as essential to uh, human freedom. So uh, if we can uh, get one of those in the top five and really get society to embrace those, I think it can free markets up a lot, which I want to talk about here in a little bit as well. Um, so central banks around the world, it's in the news a lot today, are printing money uh, pretty much nonstop. Uh, basically, in the United States, we've they've come out and said that um, they're going to print till they can't print anymore. Basically, infinity. We have an infinite amount of uh, paper money that we can put into the uh, circulation of the economy. Uh, yeah, but, I, uh, yeah, I saw the clip. <clears throat> yeah, it was on 60 Minutes, I think, last night here in the U.S. So, but uh, a lot of people don't hear about um, the Bank of Israel. Uh, what what's going on with them? Do you guys have any insights about what they're doing? Are they printing money as well? Um, I don't think they are actually. I think uh, for now they're planning to use their their like U.S. dollar reserves if they okay. need to. Um, I'm not even sure whether they're really open about printing or not printing. I mean, maybe because obviously the government will need a lot of money. It needs a lot of money now and we'll need much more money for all the unemployed and, you know, for all the bailouts and, and whatever they do. Uh, so we haven't heard about them printing yet, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. I think they, they yeah. might go there if the reserves are not enough. Yeah, they would Right be- now what happened here is that the local currency actually uh, depreciated against the dollar a little bit, which is actually very good for the economy here because like the shekel was just too high and okay. it was you know becoming very expensive to to employ people here and the, the you know the, the exporters are not very competitive 
but it even that it didn't fall that much maybe like what 10 percent even less than that so when when you guys go somewhere in like a place of business in israel uh do most pay most places take the dollar as well i mean is that pretty standard no not at all no, no you cannot no. use dollars no okay all right so you have to convert them online or you go somewhere to convert them well, if, if we usually don't use dollars that much, I mean, we, we, we get the local currency, so okay. that's what we use. Okay. But if you have dollars, yeah, you can convert them, you can exchange them a lot of, there are lots of exchange places, you can exchange cash and you can put them in the bank or whatever, but not, normally you don't use dollars in, you know, in retail or anywhere else. It used to be very, I mean, like, what else, like 10, 15 years ago, but like the, the apartment prices were listed in dollars. Uh, but not anymore. Okay, not anymore. I thought that I thought at one point it was like that. That's a, that's a good explanation. So let's get into the fun stuff now. I wanted to get a little background on the money and all that stuff and you guys uh, there. Uh, so how was Beam uh, started? Basically, uh, are you guys a decentralized community? Is there like a, a core of you guys in Israel then, or uh, you guys around are all around the world? Uh, was it one person that, that uh, started this project? Alex, tell us the story. Yeah, so no, no, it's, uh, yeah, so several people from Israel actually started this project. Uh, I was um, uh, asked to uh, manage the technology side, and uh, it was basically, from, from the beginning, it was a company. Uh, it was a, a registered company, and uh, I have uh, been, uh, uh, it, it was in like uh, March, it started in March 2018, uh, and I, I was uh, recruiting the programmers for, for the project, so I went to all my friends that I have previously worked with on different projects and different companies and asked them whether they want to join, and uh, some of them agreed. So uh, uh, I have uh, been able to quickly, like around two weeks, uh, it took me to organize the core dev team that uh, was from the very beginning and is, is still with us today. Uh, one of them lives in Israel, my old friend, and uh, the rest are from uh, Ukraine and uh, Belarus, mostly Belarus right now. And uh, uh, we also have somebody living, he's an Israeli, but he's living in Thailand, uh, you know, enjoying the, the islands and the beaches and uh, all the, uh, you know, good weather there. So uh, we have become a very distributed team and most of the work was uh, uh, distributed and, uh, you know, Zoom and a lot of uh, online communication, uh, even though we were uh, officially a company and uh, that's how it started uh, a little over two years ago. Um, so what, what we basically, uh, we, we started from scratch, like we didn't have any code, we didn't fork any pro existing project. We just uh, studied the white paper of Wimblewimble, which was basically one of the only uh, two documents on this topic available. The other one was the paper that Andrew Poelstra uh, wrote about Wimblewimble with the more in-depth research. Uh, and we just took it as is and we implemented the protocol from, like, fr from scratch. Of course, we used some cryptographic libraries and some networking libraries, but all the code in Beam is written uh, by us. And um, uh, it took us almost nine months to get to uh, the point that we released the mainnet in uh, uh, on January 3rd, 2019, which was the 10th anniversary of Bitcoin Genesis block, very important date. And uh, Beam was running since, since then, almost uh, like over a year and a half soon. So yeah, that's, that's the story. What is the, what is the uptime? Have you guys had to, uh, any issues where you, you know, the Bitcoin uh, blockchain uptime is almost 99.99% or something, 99.98. Have you guys had any stalls or anything like that? Yeah, we yeah. had one. How long did it last for? Anything. I don't, I honestly don't know anything about it. I, that wasn't a question I was going to ask you guys, but I'm just kind of curious. Uh, was it uh, a long problem or did you get back on track pretty quick? It lasted for like four hours. Okay. Uh, and it happened like a couple of weeks. Yeah, it happened on the 21st of January. And uh, there was some weird bug of like two, two UTXOs colliding uh, and, and kind of stopped the blockchain. We actually have it all documented and, and like in a very detailed way. So we, we communicated nicely with the community and fixed it 
like in four hours it was all sold. But yeah, there was there were some questions and criticism back then. But you know, uh, in my view, software has bugs and it's inevitable. So right. it's important to be open and to fix things. Absolutely, and I'm sure it's all detailed somewhere. We can put that in the description, even if people wanted to. Yeah, yeah, I can send you the. Uh, so moving on to uh, why you chose to get involved with a privacy coin specifically um, instead of just uh, doing, you know, some regular, uh, you know, even a Bitcoin type, op you know, open light more uh, where it can be tracked. Why did you guys want to take your talents <laughs> to a privacy coin? So, uh, you know, as I said in the beginning of uh, I was fascinated with this idea of uh, replacing money, right? And to me, it's very clear that anything that's not private cannot replace money. Uh, you cannot have your transactions visible to other people. It just doesn't work. It's bullshit. So you need a privacy coin, right? And, and B was exactly that. Now, in addition to that, in my view, for a currency to be really operational in, you know, in the world, which is dominated by businesses, and governments are still not going away. So you need something that's private on the one hand, but that can undergo audit on the other hand. And that's where Beam's vision actually uh, happens, right? That's that's what Beam is, is about. It's a privacy coin with, uh, it's, it's in development with the way to uh, offer to show your transactions to someone in a provable way. Uh, can you explain to my audience how Mimblewimble can do both of those? Well, you know, what, how it can be audited and you can check and make sure that there is no inflation bug, for example, but while maintaining your privacy. And can you uh, kind of summarize that? I'll say, I guess it's for you. Yeah, so uh, Mimblewimble is uh, a very interesting, very elegant uh, protocol that was anonymously published, as you know, in uh, mid-2016. And uh, basically, the idea of Wimblewimble is to get rid just of this one uh, thing in current Bitcoin implementation, which is the Bitcoin script, and replace it with a different structure of the UTXO. Uh, it's based on the cryptographic primitive that is called Pedersen commitment. I will not go into the details too much here, but the idea is that you can do two things at the same time. You can both hide the amount of the transaction, and you can prove that you are the owner of this specific UTXO using this one simple construct and because this construct is uh, has this additivity property that you can combine them together you can basically combine together a lot of ETXOs and hence a lot of transactions and hence all the blocks and you can get rid of all the intermediate uh, results and just leave the original creation of the UTXO and its current state so what it gives us out of the box is both the privacy which is very important and also the scalability so the blockchain does not become larger and larger as a function of amount of transactions but rather the amount of unspent utxos which is in some cases can be order of magnitude smaller than the even bitcoin blockchain not to mention blockchains of other privacy coins such as monero or zcash and mimblewimble does that in a very simple way using only this one specific construct to, to create utxos so there is no uh, way, if the implementation is correct, and of course the source was, is, is an open source and uh, we have done several security audits before we launched. So if the implementation is correct, there is no way that an inflation bug can occur because the main uh, condition that has to hold in, in the blockchain is that the total sum of all created coins minus the existing coins right now is zero. This is the basic condition that is checked on every level, on the transaction level, UTXO level, and on the block level. So the blockchain, if you sum up all the, uh, all the uh, existing uh, inputs and outputs and you mm -hmm. combine them together, the result will be zero. Of course, there is a small correction for the kernels, which is uh, when you have two uh, blinding factors inside. They do not sum to zero, but they have some residue that is encoded in the kernel that is signed. So the combination of these three parts is always zero, which this, this is like the explanation why uh, you cannot print something out of thin air in Mimblewimble. 
So to follow up real quick to make sure that I'm understanding this correctly, is the is it called the cut through process? Is that what l eliminates the uh, bulky blocks so you can have uh, more exactly. data? Yeah, okay. Could you explain that just a little bit further by chance? To uh, so I think mobile computing will be like the future. So is would you think it'll be uh, um, very easily easily uh, adaptable or you know? Uh, for um, beam to be used on a mobile, uh, you know, on a cell phone in the future so you can carry the in entire uh, node or blockchain in your pocket? Yes, uh, there are currently, uh, a there is a possibility to run uh, a node on, on a mobile device. However, from the practical point of view, there are uh, several things that make this, let's say, less practical. First of all, uh, in most, uh, so in, in, in iPhones, for example, you cannot uh, really run massive applications in background. Uh, you can do it on Android, but in iPhone, this uh, uh, option is blocked. Mm -hmm. uh, also, you should probably be connected to Wi-Fi because otherwise you would, you know, just uh, uh, run out of your plan very quickly because the amount of information being sent constantly, all the transactions being broadcast and everything is quite a lot of information. And also there is one thing that is computationally uh, heavy is the uh, zero knowledge proofs, zero knowledge range proofs that we're using to make sure each, each UTXO is actually positive. Because if you somehow can create a negative value UTXO, then you can actually print uh, money out of thin air because you will just create two UTXOs plus 10 and minus 10 that will sum up to zero, but then you will hide the minus 10 and use the plus 10 to pay someone which is of course not okay. So in order to make sure no UTXO is negative, each UTXO is added a zero knowledge range proof. Uh, it's called bulletproof. It's a very efficient implementation of this concept created by Benedict Bund. And uh, this is something that is a little bit heavier to calculate. But other than that, yeah, you, you can theoretically run your node on mobile even today. That's a great explanation. If you have enough, if you have enough memory, of course, and storage to, to store this. Okay, so I'm a pretty big advocate for Mimblewimble myself. I think it is the future. Um, and I do think Mimblewimble and the projects that are trying to enhance it, like yourself and uh, Grin and Epic Cash and a few others, there's Mimblewimble coin. I'm interested in all of them. I, 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 I'm uh, all about competition, uh, you know, in money. Like I think we all are in this space. And I think the competition will create the best, uh, you know, money is a good, will create the best, uh, you know, money good money product uh you know from the competition the best will emerge the cream will rise to the top so my question is uh i've done a lot of writing on mimblewimble myself what is what separates you guys from the other projects that i mentioned uh if you had to just list some characteristics that uh you think uh makes you the best so uh i'll start so uh i today there are two families of projects uh, Grin and Grin Forks and Beam and Beam Forks and Mimblewimble, right? So, so basically there are two original code bases and then there are uh, forks. So uh, Beam is obviously the leader of, or the most interesting project in the, in the, in the Beam uh, derived family. Uh, so, and, and the difference of Beam, there are multiple differences from between Beam and Grin, you know, the emission, uh, the usability, and the vision. So I would say that Beam uh, is, on the one hand, true to the core principles of Bitcoin in terms of limited emission. Mm -hmm. uh, it implements all the good features of Mimblewimble, small blockchain, fast transaction transactions, and Beam obviously has superior usability. Our secure BBS system allows for uh, transactions that are kind of uh, operate very similar to uh, Bitcoin transactions. You just plug in the address and send it. Uh, our wallets are very easy to use. Uh, and also our vision, I think, is the most complete, right? So it starts with uh, privacy and auditability combined and goes to the next steps of uh, confidential DeFi. Right, we're talking about bridges to other blockchains. We're talking about DeFi building blocks uh, on Beam. So I think uh, Beam has a much more complete vision than any other project in the space, in the middle of space. Alex, do you want to follow up? Yeah, I do. So uh, first of all, <coughs> uh, 
both Green and Beam uh, were the two Mimble Mimble projects that launched in the beginning of 2019. And at that point, uh, I think Mimble Wimble was one of the most interesting protocols uh, that like on the market. And uh, it, the amazing thing about Mimble Wimble is that it's both simple and elegant from one side, and it has a lot of potential for extendability from the other side. And uh, the reason I, I, I will talk mostly about Green and Beam is because I think these are the two projects that actually are interested in and are delivering technological innovation. Uh, so there are, of course, a lot of forks that need some modifications or other modifications, but in terms of original development, from stage development and technological innovation, I think these two projects stand out. Speaking about Beam, what we've done in this year and a little over a year since the launch was not only building all the things that uh, Alexander Edison mentioned, like uh, you know usable and beautiful wallets and getting listed on exchanges and having much more confidential transactions than Zcash uh, at any point of time and stuff like that, but also a lot of really new technological things. For example, we have built laser beam which is the an implementation of light, lightning network like payment channels direct payment channels between wallets which is something very non-trivial thing to do we have built and launched atomic swaps which allow you to exchange beams for bitcoins without third party without any intermediary without having to trust anyone it's like the limousine of you know decentralized finance it's like this very very elegant and interesting feature where you can exchange coins without having to trust anyone and this is just like the two uh, major features that out of many, out of several uh, that we have uh, launched this year and uh, last year. And this year in 2020, we are currently working on Lilantus, which is another privacy protocol uh, that will allow to solve one of the issues with Mimblewimble, which is the linkability of the UTXOs. Uh, by adding this shielded pool, which can completely unlink any UTXO from its previous history. It's an amazing thing. And also, uh, confidential assets, which will allow you to create tokens on top of Beam, just like you can in ERC-20. But in Beam, they will uh, automatically inherit all the good features of Beam, such as scalability and confidentiality. So you can basically create your token, and it will be confidential from by default. It's an, it's an amazing feature. And based on that, we are currently actually building a platform to use these features to do new things, such as the bridges between Ethereum and Beam, as, uh, as Addison mentioned, and uh, a lot more like advanced uh, DeFi-oriented stuff. So we don't have smart contracts, but instead we have something that is called scriptless scripts, which is basically cryptographic building blocks built inside the node that you can operate from uh, using your wallet and then the blockchain can verify the results of your calculations that were done off chain. It's an alternative model to smart contracts. It has some advantages. It has also has some disadvantages in some cases, but for, for most use cases of confidential DeFi, uh, these uh, scripted scripts are good enough. So all of these things were researched by us, built by us, and implemented and deployed. And I think this is something that not many projects today can, can tell that they actually build all of these things from scratch very quickly and uh, with high usability. Uh, so this is our, our forte today. Great explanation by both of you there. I, th I wanted to follow up on, you alluded to interoperability. Are you guys talking with any, it's not, you know, you also alluded to atomic swaps and uh, tokenization. I'm trying to get to all these things here quickly, but uh, what, what is, are you guys talking to anyone with like Chainlink or anything like that to, um, you know, even give you guys more utility or do you think uh, atomic swaps, like you said, uh, and cutting out that third party intermediary is the way to go? So in my view, it's atomic swaps as the first step and bridges as the second step. So just to explain the bridges in a little bit uh, more words. Uh, the idea is uh, that you can take any kind of token on ERC-20 uh, on Ethereum, go across the bridge, cross the bridge, lock that token on Ethereum and have its representation on Beam. So you get privacy. Basically, there's a lot of value. There are lo lots of tokens. So this is the, inter the interoperability for me and uh, a very clear value proposition. You want to send your DAI 
in a way that nobody sees and nobody knows how much you send, how much you and who you send it to. Right. Here, use it here. So uh, for me, uh, again, Atomic Swaps was the first step, uh, but that was it is still always through Beam, right? You have to swap Bitcoin to Beam. So it's still for people who want to hold or, or trade Beam. Now the bridges feature, it actually you you will have to use Beam for uh, for transaction fees, but it's not limited to holders of Beam. It's utility for everyone. So, so that interoperability I see is uh, very valuable. So what is the roadmap on uh, you know being able to launch these tokens? Do you guys have you guys released a uh, date or anything like that for the public? Yes. Yeah, not a date, but uh, we have a clear roadmap. It's published on our website. Uh, and uh, basically, we, we have like uh, major versions uh, that we are working on. Right now, we are in uh, four. We're currently working on release that's called Double Doppler 4.2, which is uh, the latest version of this Double Doppler epoch, which took us from the end of last year and uh, uh, till now. And uh, uh, the next step will be the next scheduled fork because. First of all, uh, from the very beginning, we, we announced that we will have uh, two scheduled forks that will uh, change the mining algorithm a little bit to avoid the ASIC builders. It's not mm -hmm. so, so much a concern today due to the economy, but uh, uh, it was still announced from the beginning. And during this force, we also get the opportunity to introduce uh, the consensus breaking features, the major features that are incompatible with previous versions. So in the next scheduled fork, which will happen in the next couple of months, we will uh, get to the next version 5.0 and there we will introduce all of these uh, changes. Most of them were already developed and are already available uh, on our master and development branches, such as Lilantus, as I mentioned, uh, which allows to resolve the linkability issue, the confidential assets support and infrastructure, which allows you to create new tokens on BIM, and the change in our mining protocol, which is called BIMHash, so it will be the, the third version, BeamHash 3. Uh, and the, these are the three major changes uh, that will be launched in the 5.0. And then we will continue to build on top of that all of the rest of the usability and uh, uh, APIs and all the rest of the features that you will need in order to use this for creating applications. So yeah, this is the roadmap for 2020. Um, we did not announce the exact date for the fork yet because there is still a lot of development to, to, to be done. We will announce it once we see clearly you know the, the light at the end of the tunnel and we do all the testing because every fork is a very uh you know um let's say uh delicate event uh costs you a lot of uh, hours of sleep and some gray hair on your head uh so yeah it's very important uh, to to do it right so we are doing a lot of testing before the fork and once we we are clear we will announce the date which will probably sometime in the next two or three months. Right, you know, you definitely don't want to rush these things. I was just curious what the roadmap was on. Uh, yeah. Well, go ahead. No, I just wanted to say that uh, uh, the roadmap is on the website, if you're interested. It's very graphical and clear. Uh, and also, since we are open source, you can obviously follow uh, our uh, progress on GitHub or get the newsletters uh, that we send every week. And uh, in YouTube, there are some videos with uh, weekly progress. Not so much for the last two weeks because I was lazy, but uh, we, we will release when, when there are major developments. Right. So shifting gears just a little bit back to economic, the economic side, uh, I'm looking at your, um, your total supply. It's like 262, um, 262.8 million and you guys have uh, so, so far have mined 57.955 million coins, at least by the measure I'm looking at here. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how you – determines the supply uh if anything was pre-mined or and like is that how if it was is that how you guys kind of pay the team or anything like that so first of all the supply curve was modeled on bitcoins with uh, one additional year in the beginning so the block reward in the first uh, in in the first year is 100 coins and then it goes down to 50 for four years and then 25 and so on and so forth so uh, with the so so with the exclusion of this first year, it's exactly Bitcoin's uh, schedule. So there are 52 million 
coins, uh, 600,000 coins in the first year, and then uh, uh, 25. 210 yeah. million uh, in, in the remaining uh, 132 years. Uh, so it's like Bitcoin times 10 because our blocks are one minute and not 10 minutes. So the model uh, is based on Bitcoin with this additional year where we decided to kind of double the, the block reward uh, to attract more people to give some advantage to early, uh, early miners. And that's what really happened. Uh, now, in terms of pre-mine, there was no pre-mine and no ICO. Uh, our model is based on what we call a treasury, uh, which uh, operates in the first five years of existence of the protocol. And uh, what it does is that 20% of all the mined coins go to a special fund from where they're distributed uh, to investors, uh, the core team and the Beam Foundation. So basically in the first year, every minute uh, a block was mined, the miner received 80 coins and 20 coins went to the treasury from where it went to those people who contributed to the project, like the right. investors who actually put in the initial funds okay. to, to make this all happen, uh, members of the team, uh, advisors and also the Beam Foundation, which has actually relatively recently taken control of the protocol from the original company and strive to become more decentralized. Very nice. Yeah, I, I was just curious about that. Uh, didn't want to dwell on it too much, but you, this was something you have to ask. You know, you're curious how the project is, you know, designed and stuff. So, uh, do you guys view yourself as as a potential uh, long term? I mean, I guess you probably would, but I, I just want to get your input on it as a store of value, or um, are you focusing more on becoming, uh, you know, the the private or anonymous uh, medium of exchange for the world? Well. To me, uh, to me, it's uh, not a super important question. I think the market will show what pe people can use Beam as both. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not gold, which is heavy to move and uh, difficult to transact with. Beam is great both as store of value and as means of exchange, and we made sure that you know technology-wise works both ways. And our vision is again to to get people to use beam rather than to just trade it or store it so to me the goal is to be both store of value and means of exchange mm -hmm. uh time will tell right the market what what, what 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 happens more which 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 way happens more hopefully both what's your opinion alex so uh we have uh, two two goals uh, like uh, high level uh you know dreams uh the first one is practicality we want to be as practical as possible which is why we invest a lot in usability. We have wallets that are running on all platforms, whether it's desktop or mobile uh, or web wallet that we're working on right now. And we want uh, people to be able to use uh, Beam like anywhere, everywhere. And this brings us to the second point for any purpose. So basically we want Beam to be able to conduct any type of value. So of course there are the Beams themselves, which uh, are, uh, kind of, you know, this universal type of token. It's fast enough to be medium of exchange with the one minute block time. And if that is not fast enough, we have the direct payment channels that make this instantaneous. Uh, or you can store them and, you know, hold them uh, for longer periods. So you can use both. But also with the addition of confidential assets, you can basically encode uh, any value you would like to, 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 to exchange. And then you have the, the bridges and the atomic swaps to tie this all together into one ecosystem. So this combination of practicality and universality in terms of types of value that you can trade, uh, this is where we're going. And of course, everything is subject to perfect privacy. So what? So yeah, uh, do, you, do you guys have a portion of your team that is focused on um, getting uh, merchants uh, around the world to implement Beam? Absolutely, absolutely. We we have so far. I think we have almost two hundred uh, different outlets that receive Beam. You know, to tell you that we are happy with the amounts of actual use of Beam. I mean, it would be true, and it's it's the same for any cryptocurrency. And, right. and starting with Bitcoin, people are not yet using it for payment. 
uh, that much, but but that will come. Absolutely. But yeah, we we are we spent a lot of effort on unit. So uh, a couple more questions for you guys to conclude here. I know it's uh, getting a little bit later in Israel, and uh, I don't want you guys to miss dinner. Uh, what what I, I, as I've t- kind of talked about as somebody who views this as uh, an economist type of person or whatever. I'm more about free markets and stuff, and I love the technology. But um, what do you think uh, the impact of having a privacy coin can be on free markets? So a lot of a lot of places around the world. Um, let's not say they don't want uh, cryptocurrency. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But uh, I view it as a vehicle for free markets. What do you guys think about that? I think yeah, I would agree. It's a vehicle for free markets, and it's a vehicle for any economic activity, right? Because again. No privacy, no econo- no real economic activity can happen, right? I mean, as long as you trade on, on an exchange, you buy and sell, well, it, it's also problematic, by the way, that everybody knows, like, how much you're making and so on. Uh, but if you start doing business, uh, which is not happening yet, but it will, once you start doing business, you need a privacy coin because otherwise it, it just won't happen, you know? Uh, human nature will not change and competition will not change will not disappear so we're not talking about you know communism here we're talking yeah. about a different means of payment different sort of value different kind of money and it has to have all the good properties of money one of which is fungibility and privacy so here you go perfect answer go ahead alex what, what's your take yeah, so for me, uh, there are several aspects in which I think cryptocurrencies will shine. Um, first of all, uh, you know, even with this crisis with the coronavirus, we see that the globalization has already happened. So there, is, there are no longer like local problems. Uh, everything becomes global very fast. And uh, Bitcoin and uh, other cryptocurrencies being essentially global money, I think, fit very well in this direction that the world has taken for the last uh, many years of making this a single market and uh, uh, having a lot of different types of financial and economic relations between countries and people living in different parts of this planet. And I think this is like one of the things which are very important, this, uh, you know, lack of borders, ubiquitousness of, uh, you know, ability to send payments instantly and at very low fees around the globe. So this is the first, the first part of, of future success of cryptocurrencies. Uh, the other one is obviously uh, an alternative to uh, fiscal policies of government. Uh, we see places uh, that have terrible inflation. We see places that cannot get access to banking. And uh, this, uh, just like most or many other technologies, enables people to have more freedom in this space which is very important and enables a lot of different types of transactions that just were not possible before. So this is the second part. Of course, it's much cheaper than having these banks or any kind of old school intermediaries in terms of fees that you pay. Uh, And um, uh, the third part is uh, regarding privacy. So this privacy, I I like to call it confidentiality because privacy is a very loaded word. Uh, It has a lot of connotations, but confidentiality is the idea that you are the one who decides who sees what and who knows what your data is up to you we see this a lot uh a lot all all over the world and even right now in this most recent crisis there's a lot of talk of what government can trace and whether they can use your cell phone to track uh, where you're going and things like that and it's becoming very central topic of many many discussions for many years already so i think this ability for the person to be in control uh, of his data, of his privacy, especially in the financial domain, is extremely important. Which is why we think the privacy coins is the way to go, and uh, you know, it's it's more like this essential feature that you need to have to have any kind of practical and meaningful financial transactions in the future. Yeah, I think as more and more people uh, find out about privacy coins and how they work, and um, the success of them over time, we're going to just drag people along into this space. So I'm really excited about the, uh, the future of privacy coins. Uh, just for posterity, I always like to mention that this is uh, March 
2020. The price of Beam right now is 27 and a half cents. The price of Bitcoin's fluctuated around uh, $6,300 today uh, as more and more uh, central banks around the world uh, are flooding, flooding us with paper money. Uh, one last question for you gentlemen, and then I'll let you go. I'd love to have you on again sometime. I really appreciate your time today or tonight over there. Uh, I'll let out, we'll stay in the same, uh, rotation here. Alexander, you first, uh, what's his, uh, Bitcoin and what's his, uh, you know, the overall cryptocurrency, uh, and especially your particular project, uh, beam, what does it mean to you? Uh, it means to me, Bitcoin and beam is a triumph of human mind over, history and deeply entrenched beliefs it's showing humanity again that with showing you know us that with our own ingenuity we can really change things so it's it's a wonderful example of how human genius uh of you know satoshi in the beginning and then we are sending all, all standing on his shoulders uh can apply technology to really change change the world and hopefully for the better. That's what it is for me. Bravo. Alex, Alexander, go ahead. Or Alex, sorry. Yeah, so uh, for me, Bitcoin is uh, uh, a really unique and amazing thing because it's the first time in human history that money actually became decentralized. Uh, like from the very you know beginning, people using all kinds of you know gold coins or whatever they were using, there was always like one issuer, whether it was the king or the empire or the government, and it's the first time that uh, it was possible through technology to have decentralized money. That's what it means for me, and it's an amazing combination of both economy, sociology, religion for some people even, and uh, in some way like they're like true believers in these things, and of course. Um, technology uh so that's that's what bitcoin is for me and beam well beam is is like uh is like my baby it's like uh, something that uh, you know i saw from from nothing and uh, becoming something and running and it's a very uh different experience from any project that i have ever worked with because it's not a, just a software uh, that you release to the customer and then you have some updates it's a living thing and and once it's alive uh it has its own it has a life of its own in which you kind of participate but you no longer control it because you have miners and you have users and you have you know uh exchanges and you have all this ecosystem building and for me it was amazing because it, it was really um new experience to see something like that being born and then grow and i was surprised how many people uh you know uh in our communities really love it and how much support we're getting from people even in the most difficult times and how much optimism there is out there. And I'm actually very grateful and I would like to use this opportunity to really thank, you know, our community for supporting us because it's, it's really, it's an amazing feeling and it fuels everyone and motivates everyone in the team uh, to keep doing this. And it's, it's not about money. It's an open source project, which is great. We, we, we feel like we contribute uh, and it's like really watching a child grow. Absolutely. Great explanations from you gentlemen today. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, I hope that this carries us closer towards uh, my uh, goal in this world is free markets and, uh, you know, peace and prosperity follow from all that. So uh, with that said, I'll say a proper goodbye and uh, hope to talk to you gentlemen again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Great conversation. Great questions. It's very uh, encouraging in those hard times. To, you know, to be talking about these exciting things and thanks for keeping it going and you know it was it was it was great great to meet you and it was a great conversation appreciate it yeah thank thank you very much for having this chance we'll do it again soon cool All right